0: So, I want to pray uh, as we enter into this season of preparation, as we look toward Easter, as we think about Easter, uh, as we talk about it over the next few weeks. Uh, just wanted to offer up a prayer that will kind of help us enter into this season. So, will you pray for me? Pro- don't pray for me. You can pray for me. Pray with me. Loving Lord, at the beginning of this Lenten season, We are met with the challenge of handing over every bit of our lives that do not come from you, to rid ourselves of what clutters our lives and all that distracts us from the simple truth of your love for us. Your prophets have called us to change the way we worship, to make internal sacrifices instead of external ones, to seek justice and love kindness, and to walk humbly with you each and every one of our days. If we don't give anything up for Lent, then let us at least give up this, that we might live, cease living in ways that disconnect us from you. For every one of our steps is like a circle around your temple. Perhaps this Lent we can give up our way and give ourselves to your way for us. So lead and guide us on this Lenten way. May we walk with Jesus toward the hill just outside of Jerusalem. May we, like him, take up our cross and follow, spending each moment of our lives living responsibly to you, just as Christ himself did. For that is the faithful way. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this first Sunday in Lent, our reading comes from the Gospel of Mark. In fact, we're going to be hanging out in Mark for a little bit. I think we'll move over to the Gospel of John later in Lent. But we're going to start with Mark chapter 1 today, looking at verse 9 through 15. Listen now for a word from the Lord, a fresh word from the Lord, because you probably heard this before. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, "'and was baptized by John in the Jordan. "'And just as he was coming up out of the water, "'he saw the heavens torn apart "'and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. "'And a voice came from heaven, saying, "'You are my Son, the Beloved. "'With you I am well pleased.' "'And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. "'He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan.' And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, the Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and amen. All right, show of hands. I may be showing my age here. Show of hands. Who remembers the matrix? Yeah. Who saw the matrix? Who has no idea what I'm talking about? Okay. All right, so just a refresher, because this did come, it's a classic movie now, I think, right? It's classic. (laughs) It came out in like the 90s, which was like a long time ago. The Matrix is this movie in which we meet this guy named Neo. uh, And Neo senses that something is not right in the world, but he doesn't know what it is. And he is met by some strange uh, people, one goes by the name of Morpheus, and Morpheus is trying to tell him that the reason he, he feels some kind of way about the world is because it's fake. Everything that he has ever thought about, uh, done in his life, it's all a computer simulation. In fact, computers, AI, have taken over the world, and they are harvesting humans for energy, and implanting a simulation in their brain so as they're being harvested for energy, they think they're living out their lives. They think when they eat a steak that they're actually eating a steak. They think when they go to work, they're actually going to work. But they're not. It's all a computer simulation. But Morpheus is is trying to explain this to Neil. How do you do that? I don't know. But we do have a little clip here I'm going to show you from this movie. This is the scene in which... Neo has to make a choice, okay? And make sure the volume's loud.
1: What it is. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes.
0: go now if you were like me in the theater seeing this for the very first time of course everything leading up to this point you have no idea like we see neo doing all the things that all of us do and it's after this point that the audience it's almost like watching wizard of oz go from black and white to color it's like that it's like oh my gosh everything was fake it was all fake um and I still to this day, this movie had such a big impact on me, because I think about if that scenario were real, can you imagine how difficult that would be for people like Neo or anyone else who wakes up to the reality, that everything you thought you were doing in life, it was all fake? Can you imagine how difficult it would be for people like Morpheus who feel a sense of calling? to go and help people wake up to the reality that the real world, that this is a computer simulation, that this is not the real world. Incredibly difficult. Uh, And and Morpheus says, you know, this this line in there that, that unfortunately no one can be told what this is all about. You have to see it and experience for yourself, right? Because he understands words are going to fall short. No matter matter what I tell you, the matrix is in this room. You can feel it. You can feel it when you go to church. You can feel it when you pay taxes. That still doesn't tell you what it is. You have to experience it. And I think, you know, if the Gospels were to be rewritten with a modern twist, or if, if the Gospels were being written right now in light of stuff like this that has gone on, then I wonder if... Jesus might look a little bit like Morpheus. Is that that bad to say? I don't know. Is that bad? What I mean by that is this, that Jesus felt a calling. His entire ministry was based around this idea of waking people up to the reality of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or simply the kingdom as he sometimes called it. This was his mission. This is what he did, and he used things like words that tend to fall short, parables, stories, trying to get us to wrap our minds around a world, really, that had been pulled over our eyes, right? Occasionally, Jesus would heal people or feed people on top of the words that he was using just to kind of strengthen his argument. If if what I was telling you was not true... Would I be able to do this? Blah, blah, blah. And he he heals somebody. And of course, people are drawn toward the healing. People are drawn toward the feeding. But Jesus over and over again said, it's time to move on to the next town because I was called to preach. I was called to wake people up to the reality of the kingdom, which they need to see and experience for themselves. So it's time for us to move on. And he would take his disciples and move on to the next town. And of course, eventually, I think, Jesus gave his own life to really prove that what he was saying was true. The death of Jesus meant a lot of things, but one of the things that I think it most certainly meant is that life continues on. This is not all there is. If you don't believe me, watch and see. And so we look at verse uh, 14 and 15, the very end of our text today. I put my Bible over here, I shouldn't have done that. After his baptism, after his wilderness testing, we are told that Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, remember that word means Open your mind, change your mind. Change your mind and believe the good news. What is the good news according to Jesus? You can say it. What is it? Let's read that again. The The kingdom of God is near. That is it. That is the good news according to Jesus. The kingdom of God which you cannot see but you sense something is in the world. You feel it when you pay your taxes. You feel it when you go to church. You feel it when you go to work, but you don't know how to describe it. You don't know what it is, but it is here. It's closer than you can imagine. Open your mind and believe the good news. This is the gospel. Good news means gospel. This is the gospel according to Jesus. If you were reading a red letter Bible in the gospel of Mark, the good news of Mark, This is the first time you see red letters. This is the first thing Jesus says. Now, we're only in chapter 1, but still, the first thing Jesus says is, you feel it, but you don't know what it is, and I'm here to tell you what it is, and you need to expand your mind, expand your thinking, and believe the good news. The kingdom has drawn near And I can't help but wonder if we have screwed that message up. I wonder if we have added stuff to it that Jesus didn't add. I wonder if somehow we have changed this whole thing into escaping planet Earth to go to some afterlife rather than finding the life that Jesus said is available for us right here, right now, right where you stand. Have we done that? And I wonder if we were to get back to Jesus' central message, no frills, just the simple good news according to Jesus, would that transform Christianity? Could that revitalize Christianity today? We see people in droves leaving the church, rejecting whatever stuff we've added to the gospel, rejecting the institutional church, yeah, I believe in something, but I'll just figure that out at home. I don't need to be in a church. And I wonder if we were to rethink the gospel message of Jesus and get back to it, if it might transform Christianity as we know it. Jesus said, you know, when you have new wine, you don't put it in old wineskins, right? Because the new wine's going to ferment and it's going to expand. It's going to burst those old wineskins. You need to find new wineskins to hold your new wine. What is the new wineskins that we need today in 2024 to recapture or hold what for us may be new wine? I mean, Jesus was preaching it 2,000 years ago, but maybe it's rediscovered new wine for us. How do we recapture this? How do we contain it? How do we carry it out into the world? I love how Morpheus offered Neo two choices because really, uh, even in the matrix, there, there's no forcing here, right? It's gotta be a choice. It's gotta be a choice. But here's the two choices he offered him. Look, you can take the blue pill and you can go back to your normal life and you can believe whatever it is you wanna believe. Or you can take the red pill and you can follow me and I will show you something you never thought you'd see. And it's gonna blow your mind. But you have to make the choice, and once you make that choice, you can't go back. That's the part, I don't know that that's, that, that doesn't translate into what we're talking about. But, you know, make your choice now. So Morpheus gives him this choice. But then as, 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 as Neo's reaching out for the red pill, because he's going to move forward with this. I, I've got to know what this is. Morpheus stops him and says, just know I'm only offering you the truth. Which implies the truth is going to be very hard to accept. It's going to be very hard for your mind to grasp. It's going to be painful at some moments, but this is what I'm offering you. And I and I think you know that it's not so different than Jesus. Right, Jesus comes on the scene, preaching, telling people, "Come, follow me. Come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll lead you to the truth. I am the truth. I'm the way. The life. Follow me." But it's your choice. And here's your here's your options. Number one. You could ignore me. You can laugh me off as a, as a crazy prophet, as a crazy rabbi. You can go on about your life and pretend that this is all there is or believe whatever it is you want to believe, and you can experience life just like everybody experiences. You have ups and downs. You have suffering. You have pain. You have these momentary thrills, but they never really last forever. It comes and goes. We have boredom. We pay our taxes and then eventually we die. And if you think that's all that life is about, then by all means, do your thing. But the second option is you can follow me, and I'm going to show you things you never would have imagined, you never dreamed possible. That the reality that you think you see is not actually the reality because the kingdom of heaven has drawn near, and it's right here, right at hand, In Luke, he says, it's actually within you. But then Jesus' invitation also comes with a warning. It will not be easy to accept all that I will lead you into. It will not be easy to face the truth that I will give you. And in fact, it's going to cost you something. What is it going to cost you? It's going to cost you your very self, your very sense of self. Of course, Neo had to give up all that he thought was his self. <laughs> his job was fake. It wasn't, even a, it wasn't a job. He wasn't working. He wasn't doing anything. It's a computer simulation. The steak that he was eating wasn't a steak, right? You have to give up your sense of self to go into this invisible reality that Jesus says is right at hand. And so the next few weeks... As we go into Lent, as we march on toward Easter, I think Jesus is asking us to take the red pill today. Right? We've been through a lot of Lents. We have seen a lot of Easter's. And maybe they all start to kind of blur into the same thing and nothing is ever really different. And Easter arrives and we say, He's risen, He's risen indeed. Yay! And then we go out to eat afterwards, and, and that's it for this year, and then we'll go on to the next year. But maybe this year could be different. Maybe this year could be different. Maybe we could actually follow Jesus in a way that leads us into some stuff that we're like, ooh, I don't know if I signed up for this. But then Easter comes, and it's different this year because we're seeing things we never thought we would see. So, what I want to do over the next few weeks in land is I want to ask some hard questions like, okay, Jesus, if you're asking me to take the red pill, what do I have to give up? What is it exactly that you're asking us to give up? What is it that you're asking us to embrace? What do I have to take on? I want to know what is the testimony of those who decided to take the red pill and follow Jesus. What did they experience on the other side? What did they have to say about it? People like Paul and Timothy, people like Peter and James and John, what was it like for you? What can you tell me about trekking along with Jesus, going down this path? How did it change your perspective? What did it do differently for you? How did it embolden you? How did it take away your fear? You see, this journey to freedom is kind of already built into Lent because as Chuck was saying on the video, Lent is really about giving something up or taking something new on. And, and for most of my life uh, that I participated in Lent, I grew up Baptist, so we didn't do Lent. But later, I, we did. And, and for all the years that I have practiced Lent, giving something up was always about... It wasn't about pleasing God. I knew that if I refrain from eating meat, whatever, that, that, that doesn't change how God feels about me. But I, I think I thought that, well, maybe it, uh, I don't know. Maybe, I thought maybe it, it did please God in some sense that he sees me putting in the effort. He sees me putting in the sacrifice. He still loves me, but, he, but he's like, hey, you're doing extra good. Good job, kid, you know but now ah it's changed for me it's changed now it's about it, it, it's about Jesus saying there is a reality that you cannot see until certain things are out of the way and until you can train your mind and your heart to let go of some of these things you'll never see it and that you're still loved you can still follow me you know but I want you to see what I'm talking about. I I want it to be more than just words and parables. I I want you to see it. And so this year, I feel like Lent is this chance to really think about, well, why am I doing these things? What is the purpose of this? What is it hopefully leading to? Now, Brandy came across this thing. We've got some copies out there on the the table in Narthex. I thought this was interesting. This is what I'm going to do. Pick one of these up out, This is a Lenten calendar with some suggestions, daily suggestions on things to refrain from or things to do, all in the effort to change the heart and the mind, as Jesus says, repent and believe the good news. This is part of the repentance, which means get rid of some stuff. So like, for instance, Friday was fast from social media. So Friday, I didn't get on social media at all. It was difficult. It was really hard. You don't think about how how we please ourselves by doing those little things all the time until it's taken away, right? So one day with no social media. Okay, I can do that. And then every time it pops up, man, I want to get on my phone and check whatever. Instagram, oh, nope, I'm not going to do that today. Monday, here's Mondays. Pray for the children in your neighborhood. You got kids in your neighborhood? You live in a place with kids close by? Pause for five minutes and pray for those kids, right? It's, just, it's, just, it's like doing something that you wouldn't normally do because it begins to wound the ego, the self, chip away at it because we want to get that ego down to nothingness so that we might see the things that Jesus is promising for us. And so this is what I'm going to do this year, and I encourage you, if you want to, then we can talk about it. How was it for you on Friday with no social media? Oh, man, that was tough. Yeah? Well, I cheated. I got on. Well, you know, we can talk about it. But don't forget, and Chuck said it, Sundays you get Sunday off. There's 47 days in Lent, but we only count 40 of those days because Sundays are feast days. So if you're refraining from something, you can enjoy that on Sunday, you know, whatever. It's also got the Bible readings on there, which is good. I think Jesus is inviting us to follow for the next 40 days. At least that's how I'm looking at Lent this year. And I, and I wonder, I know this is silliness with this matrix stuff, you know. But this idea of I'm offering you a red pill or a blue pill, and, and you can choose. You can take the blue pill. God doesn't love you any less. You can take the blue pill, but life will just continue on as it always has been. Or you can take the red pill and you're going to have some scary moments, but you're going to see things you never thought you would see. What is this kingdom of heaven that has drawn near? What is that? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it feel like when the Spirit comes in and opens something within you that you enter into that space? I can tell you some of the things you'll feel is immense love. Immense love from God back to God. Immense love for your neighbor. Like love that you can't even explain. You will feel a sense of unity and purpose. You'll know that you're connected. And all of these image bearers out here, you are connected to them. The creation itself, that we are connected to it. These are just some of the things. But words fail. Words fail. But I'm asking you today, I guess, if you'll take the blue pill or the red pill, and if you decide to take the red pill, can we do this together? Can we talk about what kinds of things are you experiencing What kind of dreams are you having? What's coming up for you in your morning readings that's striking you different? That's that's the opening. That's the kingdom of heaven opening up to you and you (laughs) sensing stuff that you've never sensed before. This life Jesus promises is available to us right here and right now. You don't have to wait to die to see it. You don't have to wait till you breathe your last breath. Jesus says it's all here, but he also says, "But count the cost. Count the cost. It's awesome, but it costs you everything." I promise it'll be worth it in the end. Let's pray. God, what, uh, what a choice! Um, What a choice. How, How have we mangled your gospel message and made it about more things or something more or added stuff to it? And yet your invitation is clear. We can read it in the red letters themselves. Rethink everything because the kingdom is right here at hand change your mind and believe the good news. We want to we change our mind and we want to believe it. We want to see it. We want to follow you. But at the same time, I'm kind of scared about what you're going to ask of me, what it's going to cost me. I'm a little bit scared about what I might have to take on or embrace. But yet I know that Blue pill life just doesn't satisfy. And maybe that's why you would say things like you would offer bread that would satisfy eternally, that you would offer water that would quench our thirst eternally. Give us that. That's what we want. But also give us the will to say yes, the motivation, the desire to lay... It down and let you have your way with us. That's a hard prayer, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We grab the hand of the person next to you and receive this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved, completely forgiven, uniquely empowered, and that you are surrounded in and through, shot through with the kingdom. As you go from this place and you attempt to see that place, it's not going to be easy at times. It's going to look like the normal world with the ups and downs and the suffering and pain and the boredom and the taxes and the death. And you're going to forget. And you're going to make choices based on that perception of reality rather than the kingdom that Jesus gave his life to tell us about and to bring to us. But even in those moments, it doesn't change how God feels about you doesn't make God love you any less. There's no good thing that you can do that make God love you any more because God's love for us is perfect. When he looks at us, he says, oh, y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. And if you just remember that, that will bring the kingdom back into sharp focus so that you can live as God has intended you to live. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace.